0: You are listening to the Beyond Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. I am your host, Sandy Raper. On this podcast, I will share stories and invite conversations that will help you grow and support sustainability within your yoga practice, your pathway of service as a yoga teacher, and beyond. In today's episode, I have a conversation with Mary Richards. Mary began practicing yoga in 1992 and teaching in 2002. Her training is informed by the master instructors who have guided her, as well as coursework in biosciences and therapeutic movement. She is also a certified iREST Level 1 teacher in training. Mary primarily studies with Judith Hanson Lassiter, and in partnership with Judith and her daughter Lizzie, she offers digital courses in practical anatomy and kinesiology, asana and pranayama techniques, stress resilience, and restorative yoga. You can check out their Today's Anatomy Questions series on YouTube. Mary lives in the Washington, D.C. area, and from her home studio, she teaches a monthly asana lab and sees clients online. Listen in now to my conversation with Mary Richards. Welcome, Mary. I am uh, excited. It's a treat to talk with you today and for you to be a part of the Beyond Yoga Teacher Training podcast um, what an amazing um, kind of journey this past year has been for me in the podcast and now moving into to my season three. And you are definitely when I'm looking for people I'm wanting to talk to you are on that list. And so I'm excited if people can kind of hear that in my voice um, to have you on today and share conversation. But I, when I do talk to guests, I like to, to check in and just see how you're doing today. Well, uh,
1: Sandy, heaven help you. I'm feeling great. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm happy to hear that I'm on your list. I have a feeling I'm on several lists. (laughs) But this one might be a great one to do on, so, you
0: know. Yeah, um, I always, you know, I want to, I'm real thoughtful about what, you know, who I want to conversate with and have conversation, because really it's kind of selfishly coming from, because I want to have the conversation um, and then and expand it for the listeners. So thank you for being a part of it. So just giving a little context around, you um, Season three and what I'm rolling into with the conversations, and so the listeners, you know, kind of know where we're we're coming from. As um, season three for me is, is is about expansion and this expanding beyond. So if people listen all the way to the end, to the outro, I offer words of, you know, that I hope you begin, right? Just get going, begin. I hope you become, and I hope that you expand beyond. And so that's for me, the vision of season three is this expansion and whatever different, you know, context that, that I'll have that conversation with and how we'll look at it. But so I'm also a word person and people that listen to the podcast know I I Google words and I want to know, especially words I'm not familiar with when I'm reading, or it could be familiar words that you think you know what they mean, but then you sit and you're like, I'm not even sure if I really understand that. So when I Google um, expand, right, it says um, to become or make larger or more extensive. And then it also says to give a fuller version or account of so kind of starting out this conversation of like how can we look at that kind of overall concept within our yoga practice not only as a student but then kind of expand that into you know a yoga teacher's role
1: i love that you're a word person let me tell you a short story (laughs) yeah where i reply to this when i was in high school I've always been of the nerdy ilk and (laughs) I was preparing for my SATs for college applications and the like. And this was back in the day of dot matrix printers, which I'm Mm. sure some people will be like, what? (laughs) And I had reams of dot matrix printer paper, which came in long sheets. And I literally uh, for a couple of years read the dictionary Mm. and wrote long lists of words with their phonetics and morphology not the mm. definitions because I was quizzing myself on the definitions and so literally my bedroom would have these walls covered with words and you know my parents put up with this because <laughs> they knew exactly where I was and that I wasn't in any trouble so right I've always been a word person myself and I think it's interesting that so many of us are in the yoga world, especially when we consider that the philosophy is bequeathed to us, if you will, in the form of sutras, mm. which sutras are threads of wisdom. Mm-hmm. So you may have a sutra, you know, like and thus the seer becomes established in the light of their own true radiant nature and it's a sentence, but each word is a volume.
0: Mm,
1: Yes. And so when I think of expansion or to expand in the yoga context, I'll tell you, I actually experience a contraction Mm -hmm. because we're already vast. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I think what the practice does for us Is it helps us reconnect or remember Mm -hmm. our vastness. So when we practice, for instance, are we actually expanding or are we coming home? Mm. And I tend to think that we're coming home. I don't, uh, for me, expansion implies that. we need to move beyond ourselves to find something. Yes. And I'm of the ilk that everything we need is right here, right now. Mm -hmm. So I tend to think not so much in terms of expansion as I do in terms of elasticity
0: Mm.
1: and responsiveness, robustness. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So especially when... Experiencing something that is new to me, I'm not looking to subsume or include that newness within myself so much as I'm interested in my dynamic relationship with it, mm-hmm. which may not necessitate me stepping forward or stepping wider or broader. It may actually necessitate me stepping back in a way.
0: Right. Right. So it's a beautiful <clears throat> balance. When I think about, you know, um, contraction or, you know, expansion, right. The two, right. And the balance between the two. And I think about contraction and the ability of, you know, the necessity, I guess, for both, right. And the balance, both and uh, in, several different ways, right. That you could look at it and then thinking about the yoga practice too. And thinking about and, and you said something earlier and I liken it to we got to get out of our own way, <laughs> like the, you you made a comment about you know I think we sometimes there's a contraction uh, that possibly could be a space uh, you know I, but then I think a contraction could propel us forward to expand the version of um, of understanding. And I think about the pursuit and I think about my own personal practice as I'm kind of coming up on um, 20 years. And it's just still this, like, you know, evolving and and what I feel an expansion of because I can take myself back to the understanding I had. Mm -hmm. So thinking about like as we gain the understanding, as we uh, come home or realize that what was already, we always have what we always needed and we're right here. but how do you think, you know, the mindset too, I'm fascinated with the mind of like the process and it's probably uniquely different for everyone to get there. Like, how does that, you know, what is a process and thinking about even a yoga teacher that's going to go out and teach this practice to someone and kind of the evolving you see in the process of being a teacher. Cause I definitely am a different teacher than I was when I started, you know, almost two decades ago. So it's kind of like talking around a lot of things, but I think this concept is like, we can look at it in so many different ways. Um, you know, how do we step into that process? I guess.
1: Yeah. You know, what's so interesting to me is, uh, you know, you hear this at the front of the class a lot is, Oh, let's open our hearts. Let's open our hearts. Let's open ourselves to the present moment, et cetera. Uh, to me that, you know, I certainly understand why we say such things, uh, But I found after some 30 years of practice and 20 years of teaching that my practice in some ways is getting smaller. Mm. It's becoming more intimate. And so it's not so much that I'm focused on expanding my perspective as becoming just more porous Mm. to, to information. So I'm actually working to, create a resilient vessel a kunda uh but one that's also porous and so it's more of an organization if you will around the inevitability Mm. of our of expansion because here's the thing we're already expanded we just don't know it yet right That remembrance piece. Yes, it's the remembrance piece. So it's a matter then of kind of getting our biopsychosocial spiritual grid aligned, Mm -hmm. which means, you know, we try to have a healthy body, uh, to have a healthy relationship with the body. But then we also recognize the differences between our, you know, our different mind states. And that to me, then when I'm, even when I'm challenging my perspective, which I do a lot, I'm so profoundly curious. It gets me in a lot of trouble (laughs) and I like trouble. So it's this whole, you know, (laughs) positive feedback system for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, what what I found is when my perspective seems fuller, it's actually not that my perspective expanded, if you will, it's that I I saw myself in the mirror. And so, you know, uh, in certain systems of asana, for instance, I think of Anusara back in the day when you worked in your kidney loops and spirals and mm-hmm. all of that, and you were, you're following these spirals to infinity. To me, that's a dead end, you know, because that goes on forever. Expansion goes on forever. Right now, the universe is expanding. this is just the nature of you know of of, you know reality Mm -hmm. right and so i actually think then that what we're what we're doing is we're sort of like michelangelo and the statue of david the vastness exists with within us and we're actually just chipping away at the obscuring stone so is that a process of expansion or is it a process of clarification yeah that's a, yeah that's a great way
0: to put it and it's um I like the chipping away and then I think about too like you know it's a pursuit um I believe it's a worthy endeavor you know to to be in this pursuit but I, I also think you know we can get caught up too. um with the more or the something other than, and I think about too, from perspective of <clears throat> for yoga teachers and, and talking and being into a position of really supporting yoga teachers new, and even some that have been seasoned of this feeling of and it can go into many layers of just the pursuit of more or more trainings more this more kind of piling on knowledge and i loved how you said the porous capacity the depth right so the poor you know the piling on like they're jumping from training to training to training to training and there hadn't been a time of application and of of, I call it sitting with something, being with something, being in query, curiosity, what does it, you know, to to find that porous capacity within ourselves, you know, as the vessel and as a student of the practice, because I believe it's, and we can discuss this, you know, the translation of being able to, to teach the practice, right, and the understanding that we are in as an individual student of the practice, but, you know, the piling on of I love a good training, don't get me wrong, but you know, I mean, there's just so much that we can begin. And what I'm running into is people who have so much, but they've never really done anything. Like you said, nothing's sunk in or they haven't given time for that. And no one, they feel like they don't know what to do, or they feel like they're, they're swayed. They're not, you know, grounded or solid or however, what word we want to use for that. And so I love that we're talking to this kind of like we, we think there's something that needs to be beyond, right? I don't have enough knowledge. So let me go get some more. You know, so how do we make it? We pull it in, like you said, for clarification. Like, what are you thought your thoughts about from a yoga teacher standpoint?
1: Yeah, the integration part is so important. Uh, and it's something that, especially I would say in the United States, which is really and I can really only speak to my experience as an American mm-hmm. in this regard. I and you know, uh, and I live in the Washington, DC metropolitan region where Alphabet soup is a big deal. How many initials do you have after your name?
0: Mm.
1: And you know, if you look at my bio, you'll see that whole, <laughs> whole line <laughs> of initials. And so we put this premium on the on the accumulation or the acquisition of knowledge and information but we're not then putting uh an equal emphasis actually it should be in my opinion a weighted emphasis on actually understanding the material within ourselves Mm -hmm. because the reality is when we step in front of a class we're sharing our practice right we're not actually teaching anyone anything, right? You know what we're doing is we're co-creating conditions where learning may arise within. That's what mm-hmm. we're doing, mm-hmm. and and so I can sh- I can be like a fire hose of information, and if you've ever just watched a YouTube video with me. You know that uh, I probably should have some sort of spray bottle nearby. You know, calm down. Because uh, I love information, and I have a facility for collecting it. I have a vault-like memory, et cetera. And for the for the longest time, I've been a teacher for a while now. I would go to. Tr- I love to train. I love to go to classes, et cetera. I love to collect information. Uh, and so I would go to these trainings and I, I would just keep it to myself. Not everyone knew I was going to the training, but the information, I didn't go home and immediately start teaching it because right. I learned quite early on, oh, wow, I really only heard about 10% of what that person said. Mm-hmm. And there was all this other stuff going on. And this has affected how I practice. So I actually need to practice with it for a while before I can then distill it out into my teaching, into what it is that I'm sharing with people, because otherwise I'm just spouting information to them. I have to actually fully live the information in my universe, right? And that's hard to do, especially when you're a new teacher and you're already interacting with the reality that you don't know enough to teach yoga.
0: Right. <laughs> like <laughs> that is
1: the first thing you think of, at least in my experience is you step on the mat for that first class and you're like, uh, right? Uh. Yeah, <laughs> you you're, know. Ter- you're terrified. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's such a natural response, but then the, then the response that we tend to have is, oh, I don't know enough. So I better get more training, but it's not the knowing
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's valuable. Like I can s- stand here and say to you, Sandy, and to the folks listening to us, that we are vastness and we can all intellectually accept that at some mm-hmm. level, but we don't truly know it, which mm-hmm. is why we practice yoga, mm-hmm. is so that we can integrate into the knowing, not to expand into the knowing. Right. See, the expansion's already there all the time. Honestly, it's a given,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: can we recognize it? Mm. Can yes. we feel it in our interstitial space? Right. And that takes time. And we're so caught up, I believe, in wanting to offer care to our students and the people who come to us for guidance on the mat that we think that, oh, we have to have all of this information when really the information that we need to have is that we're a reflection for our students. Right. And they just like we reflect the best in them, they reflect the best in us. Mm-hmm. right sometimes the worst too that's but <laughs> yeah. you know what that's valuable that's valuable yes and that's why it's so important that we have this resilient porous vessel mm-hmm. so that we can have this dynamic right with changes in our perspective
0: yeah exactly well and I uh I lead teacher trainings and <clears throat> you know it's it's a part of I I try really hard of Setting them up in certain situations too for real time experience. It's like I I can mock up things for you, but the you're really gonna learn a lot, right? When you go out, right, and you're 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 putting this, you know, it's real time, (laughs) and you have to figure out those things of you know, and all the little ideal settings of a training and all the things I share until you become you know put it into practice and start to know it from the experience of application yourself. I can tell you all day long, all the things, but you got to teach, right? And you got to put, and then there's a sense of like, it's like, I think you come out of teacher training or whatever. And like the honeymoon's over, like all the, like whatever. And it's like, no, this is really what it is. This is the real time, you know? And then it's the evaluation of, you know, what kind of teacher am I going to be? What kind of vessel, right? How, what's my perspective even going to be? And I kind of got on a soapbox a little bit, a couple of episodes ago, um, about creating attachments and like, what are you teaching, right? You go in and you teach what I feel is important, right? So if somebody comes in, I'm going to be sharing from my understanding and they're going to be receiving what they feel is probably important, so to speak, in the practice. And and so it's kind of like, check yourself and evaluate what are you teaching? And is it all the extra stuff, you know? And is it all the, you know, are you actually creating attachments for your students? So that, that's a whole nother, uh, come, but it's, it's just, there's a lot to that. And then I think it can, from those yoga teachers can, can either shrink them real fast to be like, ah, oh, forget it. like <laughs> It's just too, it's, it's too deep. Or it, it's just, you know, and there's a work, you know, an effort that to pursue this and to, to continually pursue it and to be able to shift our perspective and understanding of it. And that it's not going to be the same all the time. And, you know, and how am I going to show up and all those things? And I think about two. So, you mentioned the YouTube videos, and really that's how I came to know you, Mary, is years ago, right? I, and this is where I think expansion comes in for me from thinking about my teaching. Like, I feel like, and, and maybe it was just, you know, and we can still talk about, you know, it being there. And this is kind of getting more, maybe, I don't know, logistical and all this stuff. But what expanded for me was like, I needed to understand the body better. Like if I'm gonna be a movement-based teacher, and I'm gonna be like, I need to know this, right? And in fact, I had students like coming back, love, you know, love my classes, all whatever. But wanted to, they were curious to know more, and and I think it still goes back to remembering because I'm fascinated with people and their bodies. They walk around all day long and really have no idea what's going on,
1: <laughs> which yeah. is fascinating
0: to me. So yeah. I encountered you through that, and so I'm grateful for that. So I want to talk about like you know the anatomy piece of understanding that oh, um, to, I know I just, I just opened it up then <laughs> All right but like because I'm one of those like aesthetics versus function like what you know of what people are seeing out there that they think is yoga um, you know but like how does the understanding I believe of anatomy and how I'm put together and how those things helps me to hone into the place that you're talking about that's there right that just helps me to articulate that and understand it better. So, so let's kind of roll into that as far as the yoga asana practice and, and, you know, the pose, like it's about the pose, but it's not about the pose, <laughs> all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, it's the, the pose is the least important thing yet it is centric to teacher training programs, right? What do we spend most of our time on in TTs? And I co-directed TTs and all of that for years and years and years. And and, um, we put poses before Mm -hmm. people. Mm. And yet we put poses so far ahead of people that we haven't looked at the people in front of us and thought, Oh, wow. Before we even venture into the territory identified as trikonasana, as triangle pose, uh, I wonder if we actually need to think about this person's phasic muscle performance in terms of, you know, joint centration in the hips, mm. knees, ankles, you know, and how they're transferring load, you know, between <laughs> the shoulder and <laughs> girdles and things right. like that. And, and so, uh, for me, I started yoga many, 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 many decades ago. I came at it from the philosophical side. I didn't begin teaching until I was 10. I had 10 years of asana practice mm-hmm. and I had no intention of teaching yoga. Actually, I was in class and the studio director came up to me and said, hey, have you ever thought of teaching yoga? And I went, no, <laughs> <laughs> and she looked at me and she said that's why you can teach no ego mm. and you start as an apprentice next week and I was like okay whatever you know I got time you <laughs> sure you know I love you let's see how this goes and here we are decades later. wow but uh for me the I developed an interest in anatomy and kinesiology because of injuries Mm-hmm. now I'd always been kind of an anatomy nerd because it was an NCAA athlete I was an athlete growing up I had always been into training I loved to lift weights mm-hmm. uh you know I I was a multi-sport athlete and my favorite thing to tell people is I'm like one of the few uh yoga teachers you'll find who's not a former dancer I, I'm a former rugby player
0: oh nice. okay so I played
1: number eight I was the big fast forward and uh so I've always been really into athletics and training and then I started practicing yoga for no I, I did not come to yoga for physical for the physicality of it, mm-hmm. I came to it for the spirituality of it because I needed a, I needed a way to structure my life in a way mm-hmm. that supported my own wellness and mm-hmm. well being. And yoga clicked with me, mm-hmm. and so uh, I got into uh, anatomy. Though several years into teaching, because here I was a very diligent teacher, I was very well trained, and in the system that I was trained in, uh, which was Iyengar. Based and Mm -hmm. I was always getting hurt, and all my fellow practitioners were getting hurt, and like having to have ACLs repaired, shoulder labrum repairs, etc. And I was like, We're some some (laughs) something's not lining up, (laughs) right? So I didn't go to yoga anatomy training if you will i went to i started out in you know human anatomy and physiology in the community college
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then to started, you know put myself on a pre-physical therapy track because i thought i was gonna uh i was gonna be a career swapper in my 30s and go into becoming a physical therapist
0: mm-hmm.
1: And then as I got deeper into that, I realized, oh, I'm a yoga person through and through. And I really just want to understand anatomy and kinesiology so that I can enable asana. Mm, And so that's, that's what happened for me was it was very clear to me that asana is the only holistic system of movement that uniquely targets the joint segments of the body. Mm -hmm. And yet what I was learning in various workshops and the like wasn't lining up with what mm-hmm. I was learning in kinesiology and clinical kinesiology, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the whole world opened up to me actually in that human anatomy and physiology class, bio 141 is what it was <laughs> called. Uh, it was like, wait a minute, you mean that these illustrations in Frank Netter's book are just idealize idealizations. Like not everyone is like this. And that sounds perhaps really naive to say aloud, but you know, my lens was very much, this is what Trikonasana looks like. This is what the hip joint looks like, etc. And then I come to find out that, wait a minute, some 30% of the population has significant anatomical variation. Mm. And uh, can we talk about, you know, the fantastic diversification and individualization that occurs on the circulatory and nervous system levels. Right. And I had somehow just glossed over all of that in my mind. And so the more I learned, the more I realized how little I actually knew (laughs) and how little of it was actually useful and practical for my purposes, both on and off the mat. Mm -hmm. I had had phenomenal NCAA coaching and all of this. And then I was like, oh, I'm not going to do power cleans this way anymore. No wonder this hurts when I do, you know, right. It was like, the more I learned, the more I realized I didn't know. And that excited me Mm -hmm. because I was like, this is going to keep me off the streets and out of trouble for years. (laughs) And I need that help so that complete so what happened for me then Sandy is I then walked into class I'll never forget this actually this was back in 2007 and I was teaching at the time only 13 classes a week only don't do that people that's way too much I eventually taught 19 (laughs) a week but (sighs) So anyway, I'm, t- I'm, I'm teaching seven days a week. I'm going to classes. I had little ones at the time. My kids were elementary age. Um, and I walked into class after my first week in A&P and I was just, I apologized. Mm-hmm. I sat down at the front. I said, okay, I owe all of you an apology. First of all, I'm incredulous that you're still alive. <laughs> and second that none of you have been injured on the mat in front of me. I've learned some things just in a week. So I'm not gonna change how we're doing things right now because I don't know enough to do that. But just Mm -hmm. know that the Change Express has pulled into the station and (laughs) you all have free tickets. (laughs) And and that's how things changed for me. And uh, it helped me see the people in front of me, Mm -hmm. Because I realized what I had been seeing, and I don't know if this is alive in you as well, Mm -hmm. but I realized what I was seeing when I looked at the folks arrayed on the mats in front of me was I was seeing potential poses. I wasn't seeing the people. Right, right. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And anatomy and kinesiology really helped me see people.
0: Right. Well, and I think about, I shared with you um, and I've shared it before, but before we started was <clears throat> for me, the pursuit um, an ongoing kind of refinement check-in for me is uh, I, is there's service and there con- there's connection, right? And I'm always in evaluation. Am I still aligning into those things? And so for me, it becomes even more so, of course, in the big s- scheme of things is service. But that piece of when I, I realized and came to that of, function. And I want these people to function in their lives on and off the mat. I want this to create longevity. I want them to be, you know, vibrant and vitality in their life, all those things. To me, it was a whole different mindset of serving them. And like you said, it was me, you know, really quote, seeing them. Um, at that point in time. And so I think about, you know, and how, and, and I'll use the word expand it. And I told you before is like a light bulb. And, and I thankful to you that you're out there with the resource out there. Uh, Today's yoga anatomy question. We'll plug that in. Um, (laughs) But it was huge because there's, there's key things. And like, I can't even highlight you know because there's so many that are game changers I mean they're not just another like little creative way to do something or how to teach uh, you know because that's the other thing I get feedback from teachers that'll come like oh I'm a create you know my sequencing is not creative and, and it's about the pose right they're talking about the pose and you know and you know so then it's like these are game changer things to support and serve our students in a way that that equips them and, and they, they can function and they, they are able to enjoy, right. They're like, like they lessen, right. Injury um, opportunity. I mean, things can happen, but like, who are we to, I step back and think, who am I to look at and assume something, right. Cause let's talk about that. Like of a collective, like how to teach, group settings of people how how do we then so you you stepped into that and gave them the disclaim the apologies and the disclaimers and then the change started and that's kind of happened to me it kind of like i started to teach what i knew and what i had you know in my own understanding and started bringing that in and it's just you know kind of evolved since there but thinking about that like how do we start to retrain ourselves to see the people right more than the pose and then how do you do it in a collective setting when you just don't
1: know, you don't have x-ray vision. Yeah, but see, you don't need it. Here's right. the thing, okay? You don't need it because the reality is, in, in my experience, that I, we already know the asana. Mm-hmm. Okay, the asana it arises organically from the space within us based upon these primal, and primordial energies and archetypes and the sacred geometry were already built for it. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's where we get hung up though, is we have an idea for ourselves and what we've been taught. This is what triangle pose looks like, right? Instead, what I focus on and what I focused on now for a, a long time in my teaching 15 years or so now I focus on the feeling what's the feeling Mm. of triangle pose. So if you come to one of my classes or workshops, I don't teach group classes anymore in the, the studio sense. I really focus on workshops uh, because I like to torment you with an extended, (laughs) uh, (laughs) an an extended felt experience. experience. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but what I see, if you come in, you're going to see Let's say there are 10 people in front of me, all 10, their trikonasana is going to look different. Right. And that's, the, that's where I had to, to in- interact with my own fear and insecurity and uh, desire for control. Because what I realized is when we are training teachers in particular, we're giving them very controlled ideas of Tadasana, Trikonasana, Uttanasana, whatever, Mm -hmm. Warrior two, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And if instead we allow the asana to arise as it lives in a person's anatomy, Mm -hmm. then that's going to open up their psyche that's going to bring them home to the pose to stira sukham asanam abiding in ease and asana in a way that i cannot get you there i can't take you on that journey you're you've got to make it yourself right right and so the way that i can do that is i can say to you uh okay, so you turn your front foot out a big toe width, you turn your foot in slightly, you step your feet farther apart from left to right, you, hey, let's come over to the wall and to take a really individualized approach to teaching, which is very inconvenient Mm. and, and butts up against this structure of classes as we have now, the group class, that they're very much, a routine or a series or a sequence and that they're a workout and you're so you do pose after pose after pose after pose and I feel great afterwards we've basically exhausted our students we've confused exhaustion with integration Mm. and what I like to do instead is we may do six or eight poses in two hours Mm -hmm. but we're going to find that expression individually
0: right yeah.
1: And we're going to figure out where the release valves are to borrow, borrow Gary Kraftsau's terminology. We're going to find out where the release valves are in the body and in the heart and in the spirit where you're avoiding the pose or where you're too comfortable because mm. you can be too comfortable. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. And uh, so I just think that I'm I'm really interested in kind of reframing how we define, if you will, asana. And I guess, and in this way, Sandy, I have a really expanded definition of asana. Yeah. Well,
0: please share.
1: <laughs> so my belief is again, that the asana already exists within us. Mm-hmm. We already know triangle pose. So instead of starting our teacher trainings with asana, why don't we start our teacher trainings with like functional movement? You know, so we're working joint centrators. Mm-hmm. Certainly we have to train sort of more gross motor movement systems as well. You know, we have to work on tonic muscles and Tadasana and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we understand how to display the curves that are natural to our form. Right. But instead of saying, okay, today we're going to learn to teach trikanasana, and then you're gonna show me how you teach trikanasana. Instead, why don't we work on these are things you do for the students whose feet cramp up mm-hmm. in tri- triangle pose or standing wide angle forward fold. We're going to do some exercises today using a towel uh, where we work on the intrinsic muscles of the feet. hmm. Mm -hmm. So we prevent this problem, we prevent this sensation or we mitigate it. And then we're going to work on the gluteus maximus. We're going to work on glute training because the glute max is one of the most important muscles in the body, Mm -hmm. especially when we're talking about low back health. Right. And so I just think that we are bound in a very narrow definition of asana, Yes. Whereas asana is a process. And in, and in this way, I think I've been really profoundly influenced by Angela Farmer and Victor von Kooten mm-hmm. in that asana, as we understand it, that's just the moment someone took a picture and put it in a book. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Whereas asana really is a process. It, it, it is a vinyasa. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. So I, yeah, I am so on board. <laughs> I should um, send your t-shirt, yes um, but then it becomes like okay for like me you know and obviously this is the work you're doing like okay this is a live into like how to start you know we've talked about started making some of these adjustments because to me it's like a overhaul of really what we've got a mass you know of teachers out there and it goes back to my kind of you know, inquiry about like, what are you teaching? Uh, and, you know, how are you, your approach to that, right, is a helpful passageway for people to, to balance that beyond that physicality over into the psyche of what you shared earlier. And, you know, this, this felt experience uh, that's beyond that. And then it's just becomes then this pursuit and inquiry as teachers as to, really asking yourself and getting real with you like, what kind of teacher are you going to be? Um, yes. And I, I'm afraid you're only going to float around in that space of, I just don't know. I'm not sure all these things. If some of this is not evaluated, because I think that only take you so far. And if I'm talking about expanding as a yoga teacher, I, I think that kind of inquiry has to be made of evaluating some of that and Is the impact or the service that I think I've been about really, you know? uh, Could I elevate that? Yes, and I'm going to say yes, Uh, (laughs) you know, know, to do that. But then it becomes a pursuit. Like, so maybe share this, Mary. Like, how then? Because this can seem overwhelming, right? As an approach, (laughs) like, oh gosh, throw out all the trainings I ever, you know, like, like where do we start? Like, what could could you think of? Like a, you know because there's so many, but like, what could be a good start point? So if somebody's listening and they're like, yeah, I want to, I want to do that. Like, I want to, you know, explore that understanding to, 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 to move towards that in that direction. And they're teaching like, but what would be a good start point for that? Get on your mat,
1: Mm. get on your mat because, okay. So this is a Judaism, (laughs) you know, she, she, she's not just my teacher and mentor, she's my dear friend. And yes. I, and she lives in my head, <laughs> rent free <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> for eternity. Very and, nice. you know, Judith talks about this a bit, which is we practice for our students. We teach for ourselves.
0: Hmm.
1: So you, we can't, get in front of a class, in my opinion, unless we're on the mat every day by ourselves. Right. I agree. And so we have to ask ourselves, I think, a a deeper question, if you will, which Mm -hmm. is, why do I practice? What keeps me on the mat? Mm -hmm. And it needs to be a deeper answer than, well, I feel better afterwards. Right. Okay. Well, in what way? Mm -hmm. Do you feel better? And what felt off before? Right. That's the question we need to really tune into is, where do I feel that I'm not connected? Mm. Because this practice is all about connection. You know, the yug, the yoking. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. It's not about a 30-minute sirshasana. Yeah. It's really about remembering that we are both part of and an iteration of the the cosmic energy Mm -hmm. all the time whether we know it or not (laughs) and so as a teacher when you start out obviously you know I used to have everything on index cards following a bell curve okay that's a great way to start that's a great way to start so don't throw out all of your teaching methodology and what you've been doing. You're not doing anything wrong. You're just doing what you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's it. That's it. So how do we then deepen the knowing? Mm. Right. Well, we practice. Yeah. And most importantly, then we become more intimate with our students in in sharing our practice. Yes. Instead of getting up and standing at the front of the class and simply calling out poses or Mm -hmm. doing the practice along with people, instead we say, okay, you know, um, I found this in my experience of this pose on the mat and we actually share. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying use your students as a proxy. Don't work your stuff out on your students. Right. Right. But we do need to become more transparent with our students Mm -hmm. because we need to be more transparent with ourselves. And so when I think about starting out as a teacher, I'm like, go ahead and you're, today you're doing a standing pose series. That's great. But walk around the class and ask your students, how does this feel to you right now? Mm. If you could make yourself 10% more comfortable, what would you do? Right. Give them that autonomy.
0: Yes.
1: And then you watch the adjustments that you make and you say, may I make a suggestion? Mm -hmm. So class becomes a conversation Mm. because so much of class is a dictation.
0: Oh, that's a good one.
1: And I believe that we just need to think about what type of class environment we want to cultivate. You may be the type of teacher who prefers a more uh, directive approach. Mm -hmm. that's fine. That's fine. That's cool. You know, we have the personality that we have. Uh, You know, I'm not, you're, I'm, I'm kind of irreverent and think I'm funny, you know, so (laughs) this is is the approach I tend to take, I tend to have a very conversational style. And Mm -hmm. so you have to be true to yourself, to your personality, but first and foremost, ask yourself, am I doing this because this is the way I was told to do it? Or is this really alive in me?
0: That's a great question. And you know, and I liken it to go in and teach from a place of knowing, right? You can go in and teach from a place of memorization, right? And that'll you play out for a while, (laughs) but you're gonna end up stuck or you're gonna end up in this space of, you know, but the question of why, like, why are you doing what you're doing? Why do you continue to teach? Why are you practicing? And then get into that because i earlier i shared you know people teachers would come to me and they're like yeah oh my creative you know my sequencing's not creative and all that well the first question i ever asked these individuals is like how's your personal practice what's going on there yeah and sadly sometimes but realistically um because how we get caught up in things sometimes it's non-existent yeah. so it's like i i don't know where you're teaching from at that point um and so yeah.
1: And, and and I think this is a, a big question that we need to ask ourselves, especially for those of us who mentor teachers and the like mm-hmm. and offer continuing education or certification to teachers is we need to examine pedagogy, how we're teaching things again, because so much of what we're doing is just passed down. Yes. You know, and I. I tend to be a bit of an ups start anyway just personality wise mm-hmm. you know i like to joke that i'm a triple type a and the only reason why i'm remotely socially acceptable is because of all of the yoga practice <laughs> 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 and, uh, and, and so this is something i I think a lot about and my teaching has evolved so much over the years so please know that wherever you are right now you're fine where yes. you are yes. it's just you're just at that place on your journey the journey right. you know over no it's not over and it's so not in the you end your last breath right yes. and so uh the question though that I think is so important is am I doing this because this is the only way I've seen it and if I could change anything about my teaching what would it be would it right. be the way I language would it be how I start the class how I end the class Mm -hmm. Do I need more organization? Do I want to take a more thematic or esoteric approach? Do I want to have an anatomy focus? Mm -hmm. You know, these are the questions we need to ask ourselves and we need to ask ourselves and how do I want to do this? Mm -hmm. Because I think that we are ensnared, in a structure that is created by the yoga alliance and IAYT Mm -hmm. uh, organizational benchmarks that actually disassociates us Mm -hmm. from sharing our practice. Right. And the So be scared at the front of the class, feel like you're going to, you know, step off into the abyss because you are, you've already done it. You're Mm -hmm. already off in the woods with the big bad wolf looking for (laughs) grandma's house. And the fortunate thing is we're out there together. We're going to run into one another. And we just got to, you know, keep putting one foot in front of the other and asking ourselves, is this where I want to put my foot? Right. want to put my foot yeah
0: well and I kind of hear in that there's elements of choice responsibility Mm. uh and being willing right to to inquire about those things like you may have been trained or taught this but do the investigation and take responsibility for your knowing I guess is where I'm you know getting to for that
1: and use your words Mm, yes use your language uh I If I had a nickel for every time someone asked me, how would you say that? How would you cue that? Or would Mm -hmm. you repeat that? And I'm like, I don't know what I I don't even know what I I hope someone wrote it down because apparently (laughs) it was worth keeping track of. You know, I mean, so it's, and I I had an experience. This was back in um, October, 2015. Mm -hmm. And I was in Boston. With Judith and Lizzie, actually, mm-hmm. and we were um, teaching experiential anatomy, and uh, there was there was an incident that occurred um, that necessitated Judith take a break from teaching, and she asked me to step in, mm-hmm. and it was a stressful circumstance, and I was. You know kind of in a different headspace, and I was like, okay, yeah, I could do this. And so Judith said, turn the group around and go teach from the back. Th- there was a reason for that, yeah. yeah and so, so I go back and I start, okay, okay, whatever you okay, <laughs> we're talking about eccentric muscle actions, and okay, this, this is what Judith would do. And so I, I go back and I just channel Judith, <laughs> right? And Judith calls out from now the back of the room. And she goes, Mary, <laughs> stop. <laughs> and I'm like, she goes, stop, teach you. Oh, wow. She hurt. She knows me so well. She knew what I was doing. She understood the strategy I had taken, but she stopped me and she said, teach you. Hmm. And I said to her in the group, I said, I feel so nervous right now. Thank you, Judith. Oh, wow. Thank you for reminding me to take care of myself first. Yes. Everyone, let's just stand in tadasana, take a big breath. And I did it with them. And then I rebooted and did my thing. And it turned into this whole learning moment for me. And by then, by the way, I'd been teaching for 15 years. So just know this happens all the time. It happens happens all the time. And I, we finished and um, Judith had recovered her equilibrium. And I went back to the front of the room and she said, and then she proceeded to tell a story about the first time she taught in front of Mr. Iyankar. Mm. And she said, you know what it's like the first time you get up to teach in front of your teacher? And I was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we all had a huge laugh. But what I took from that again was this isn't a performance. Mm, Teaching is not performative. Mm -hmm. It is a deep, difficult, difficult in the best way in that it it asks us to fill into our nooks and crannies, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. To fully occupy ourselves. Mm And so this is what I really, I think is so important for us to remember as teachers is be yourself. Yes. Use your words. Your words are not only good enough, they're imperative to communication Mm -hmm. because you can tell your, you can have the best rehearsed script, if you will, technically precise, anatomically accurate, now sensitive, you know, <laughs> and yet it can be mechanical or unsatisfying to you because you've stripped out all of the fat and sugar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly, and yeah, and there's authenticity to that, you know, uh, to be yourself. I, I've been through those things myself, and um, yeah, you know, I'm a Southern person, so I, some people say I have an accent, um, but well, um, a, little a, little, a little, and a little so bit. some of that, you know, comes out. But that's part of that's who I am. And I went through a season where I tried to strip out certain things, and I had a student call me out on it. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, like I liked all the other stuff, and I would be like you said in conversation with them, you know, and I, yeah, I would yall them and you know ask things, yeah, and that, I, you know I'm from
1: Virginia, so I'll say things like, "Oh, well that dog don't hunt," you know, <laughs> and and but when I first started teaching out, I was very much operating. This is how a yoga teacher teaches. Yes, and so it takes evolution. Yes. It takes an integration mm. yes. for us to find our teaching voice. And that voice is going to change. Yes. It's going to change. And that is what is so, one of the aspects that I appreciate so much about the practice is it's unpredictability. It's predictable unpredictability.
0: Yeah. It yeah.
1: necessitates not so much that I expand as I integrate. Nice. That's awesome.
0: I love that. Well, Mary... I knew, right. And this is a conversation. (laughs) I love talking to like, we could like, you know, this could go on and could make a series probably about it. (laughs) I love it. Right. I love it. And I appreciate you, but I do, before we wrap up, I want to give you an opportunity to share with the listeners what you have going on um, and how they can connect with you. Cause I I know that they will want to, so just take it away and let us know what you're up to. Uh,
1: thank you for that opportunity, Sandy, first of (laughs) all, to share my perspective. I clearly am a very shy, uh, (laughs) um, unopinionated person. (laughs) So, um, you can find me online. My website is yogawithmaryrichards.com. And, um, I do a monthly series that's called an asana lap. Mm. And so the next one is November 6th and we're going to do, we're going to be on one of those big exercise balls. So we take two hours and we're going to talk about intrinsic and extrinsic core stabilization systems. Okay. Mm -hmm. Basically, you know, if you're interested in how to stabilize the pelvis in the context of gravity, we're going to spend two hours doing that on an unstable surface. And that's November 6th. And uh, I've been doing these series for a couple of years now where once a month we get together for this uh, lab where I I give you a series, I send you a PDF and my husband who we've been married for almost 30 years and he's yoga resistant and he (laughs) is my volunteer. Nice. So what's great about it is I have a lot of teachers who come to this and they're like, oh my gosh, this is the guy who comes to my yoga class. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yes. well, look, this guy, look at this guy. <laughs> so yes. that's, so you can check that out, um, on my site, uh, yoga with Mary or art of balance yoga.com. Okay. Digital host. And, uh, Lizzie Lasseter and I are doing a reprise of our deep rest course. Okay. Is, uh, about samskaric biology kind of how our neurobiology works in terms of stress and resilience and that's in january and then i have a book coming out <laughs> <laughs> so uh i work my publisher shambhala uh-huh. and um, it's gonna be in a year because we're doing illustration and it takes a while to do yeah. illustrations yeah. and uh we're i think the title has been agreed upon, but I don't want to put it out there yet because it's right. a really clever title. Oh, and I, haven't, yeah. I haven't gotten the publishers. Okay. But, um, in about a year, I'm going to have my first book and it's essentially a movement book mm-hmm. for yoga teachers and right. practitioners, but mainly for teachers. Like I want us to reframe how we are teaching asana and mm-hmm how we're inviting people onto the mat yeah and so it's a lot of functional training and uh it it uh hopefully will offer some useful information as well as some movement experiments that people will really connect with and hopefully it'll stimulate an interesting conversation on pedagogy which is something i'm kind of passionate about
0: <laughs> just, a, just a little. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. You you always say a little yoga goes a long way, right? So yes. just a little there. That's um, right. I
1: believe that too. Yeah,
0: I do too. Well, so exciting. I am excited and can't wait to see more about that. And um, you know, definitely be on the lookout for that. But Mary, thank you so much. Um, it's been a treat and um to chat with you and uh, you know, I'll hope to to chat with you again, uh, hopefully at some point, um, in the future, but thank you so much for the work you are about in the pursuit and, and sharing it so that we, and other teachers and practitioners, we can all expand and grow, you know, in our practices and our awareness and, and sharpen, I like to say sharpen our awareness, uh, to these things. And so thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it, Mary. Such a pleasure, Sandy. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me today. Before you head out into your day, let me ask you this. Hey, are you a yoga teacher that sometimes feels unclear about your direction and the direction you should take in your teaching path? Or possibly you feel uncertain about some of your teaching skill sets And you're ready to refine and grow, but you just don't want to add one more training. Well, this is where a mentor is so crucial to have in your life and in your teaching career to come alongside of you to help you sift through and reinforce and challenge your skill set so that you can create longevity and sustain a healthy teaching career. You know, sometimes it can even feel lonely out there trying to figure out everything and You may even feel like you don't know who or where you can even turn to. Well, let me tell you, look no further. I have been teaching yoga for 20 years now. Gosh, I can't believe it. And have had a variety of teaching experience as well. I have trained and educated teachers for a decade. And quite honestly, I can say that I am your, the yoga teacher's, biggest fan. I want to see you be successful as a teacher and that is why I am dedicated to spending time as a mentor for yoga teachers. Want to know how you can get started? Well, how you can get this invaluable clarity and support that is uniquely designed for you in a one-on-one experience. Well, it's easy. You begin by scheduling a free 45-minute call with me, and we'll get to know each other, and I want to hear all about your teaching journey. I want to hear where you may have some obstacles and how I can support you through this process. That's it. It's easy, right? (laughs) So let's connect. Go to my website, sandyraper.com, and schedule your call today, and I'll be waiting to hear from you. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Until we meet again, remember to begin, to become, and to expand beyond.